Mark chapter 4 verse 13. And you know I said this will be our anchor scripture. And there are also some other anchor scriptures that we're going to start adding to these Mark chapter 4s and things like that. But today we'll open with Mark chapter 4 and then I'll begin to talk. Over the last couple of days, and I feel like this is going to be a part 3. Over the last couple of days we've been talking about pressure. And we've also been talking about our association, our circles. Um, the truth of the matter behind the truth of the matter behind how people begin to force a way through um, in life. And we're going to get more into that. But let's start with our Mark chapter 4 verse 13 and, and then we'll go from there. Go for it. Then Jesus said to them, mm. don't you understand this parable? Yeah. How then will you understand any parable? Mm. The farmer sows the word. Mm. Some people are like seed along the path yeah. where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, mm. Satan comes and takes away the word from them that was sown. So remember this, and we always start in this manner. The, 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 the sowing ground of God is people. God does not farm on, in fields. He farms people. The speciality of God is raising people. And that's why I said that we might have to anchor another scripture as well. Because remember the other day when we talked about 1 Samuel 2, and he says he raises the poor from the dust. So the speciality of God is raising people. Why is this important? These words that I speak, they are to program the mind into believing certain things and having certain convictions about God. God's speciality is to raise so, you know, we say some things as a joke. I mean, when Minister Sharif does his, who does what he does on the financial market or Pastor Hector, they will always say stuff like, God is raising me. But I want you to know the truth behind that statement. That God is raising you. Because, but he doesn't raise you but by just magically raising you. He plants seeds. That's the, that's the essence of God in the way he raises people. So, he says, so when you ask yourself a question, how does God raise me? He plants seeds because God expects his harvest, not in the world, but in people. So you, when, what you become is God's harvest. Do you understand that? It's as simple as that. And you know, we always start on this method. The farmer sows the word. Some people. So he goes on to farmer souls. Then he says, some people were like, why? Because the sowing ground, the farming ground of God is people. So what are you, whatever you become is God's harvest. So let's get rid of the notion of a father that likes to punish his children. Because that would not be, that would, God's harvest will be interrupted if he always has to punish his children. But what he does is he disciplines them so that the harvest can manifest. So when we see the things like the farmer sows the word, can we have it in different translations this morning? We won't do many scriptures this morning, so let's do different translations. Go for it. TBT. Yeah. Let me explain. Let me explain. The farmer sows the word as seed. The farmer sows the word as seed. So when God wants to raise you, listen to this, because I, I need to clear something up. When God wants to raise you, he first of all sends a farmer because the job description or the, the, the definition of, of, of God sending, wanting to raise somebody is that he sends a farmer with the ability to sow seeds into your life. So he says the farmer sows the word as seed. So even when you go to certain mountain and, and God wants to raise an army on that mountain, what would he do? He will give you the word as seed and he will also make you skilled in the art of sowing. You know what we, when people, when you want to win souls or when you want to, or when you want to convince somebody, don't think of the result. Think of the seed. Plant the seed. Don't try to get a result. The harvest will come as long as you plant or you are skillful in planting seeds. Know how to plant words in the life of people. It doesn't have to be the Bible said in John chapter this, this, that and the other. You know that was the old form of it. But there's a word that you will say. There's a word that you would let people know that even though you never said 
go to John chapter this, they still were able to know that, hey, this is a seed planted and over time that seed will grow in that person and the harvest will be the winning of their soul. But so that's just a by the way. But remember this. This is the point, because when I speak to leaders, I speak to you in um, individually and directly. We've talked about the source of change, but we also need to now know that when God is intentional with raising me, he sends a farmer who is skillful with planting the word. So what do we do every morning? We plant reminders of the words that you have heard. Sometimes it's more like it comes as a revelation because you may have forgotten. But these are reminders. These are things that are stemmed from the word of God that which we hear on a daily basis. So we're, we're soon going to move on. Let's see. So that's read that once again. Let me explain. The farmer sows the word as seed. Mm-hmm. And what falls on the beaten path mm. represents those who hear the word. But immediately Satan appears and snatches it from their hearts. So... He says what falls on the, the beaten path represents those that hear the word and then so forth and so forth. So as you remember, when the farmer or when God wants to raise a man, he sends farmers that are skillful with planting the word. When God wants to change a life, he, he sends farmers that are skillful with planting the word. Your, whatever you become is God's harvest. Hmm. So you can imagine that God is keen about your life. And that's why he will send leaders. So are we all understood with that? That's how we open today. And now we, we move on to the greater matters. Over the last few days, we've, we've been talking and they've, they've been harsh talks or, or they've been good talks, actually, to be honest. And I want you to recap for me, or with me. I want you to recap with me and for me. Um, what are the things you've taken away? Because we're going to go back to that scripture, walk with the wise. We're going to go back there in the moments, but I need to know what are the things you've taken away from, from what I've been saying. And then once we know that we're together, that we're in this together, then we'll move on for the next 20 to 30 minutes. And I'll get my notes out. Um, still the same notes. Um, 20 to 30 minutes and then we'll we'll be done for the day you are only as good as the people you walk with (laughs) so i think we began to talk about people and pressure right we said we are only as good as the pressure you can handle and you are only as good as the people you can walk you walk with what you reap is what you what you read is what you honor what you read i said yesterday what you read is what you honor so or who you dis- whoever you decide to read. Because you know that reading a person is a decision. So whoever you decide to read is what you honor. Whatever you take in is what you will give out. Take in the word and you become the word. So yes, I remember we got to a point where we said whatever we take in is what we will give out. Take in the word. Create a home for it. And that's even going, stemming right back to, to Monday. These things could look different, but they're very much attached. One of the things I continually try to do, I've understood the terminology, abide in me. Decision, aha, I love that. Abide in me. To abide is a decision as well. But you see, we also stumbled on there is something more powerful than the prophetic. It's called decision making. When a man truly decides, to decide is to make a decision so firmly that nobody can change your mind about it. In fact, let's see the definition of decision. Determined to make right decisions at the right time. Why? Because a successful life is just a, a series of right decisions at the right time. Someone can be... Someone can prophesy that you'll be this, that you'll be that, that you'll be this, that you'll be that. But the truth of the matter is, if you don't make right decisions, you're not going anywhere. We've seen prophets prophesy and say this about the life of individuals, but those individuals go nowhere. Why? Decision making was off. The most powerful thing God has to man is the power to choose. Yes, PT last night. That's true. PT last night. 
In fact, we, we're still going to go there today. I, we're still going to go there today because um, that's where I now climb and I think maximize this series today um, in terms of the leadership series today. But um, Minister Mimi, if you have the definition of decision, let's read that first. Determination. Mm. Final judgment or opinion. It says determination. You determine final judgment. So when you make a decision to join the family, Coachback Nation, that's a final judgment. But if, you know when the judgment is final, it means that it cannot be overturned. But you know, there are some times where in your own mind, um, you allow Satan to open up the court of appeal on the decisions you have made. So what happens is he, the final judgment comes this, you say that I'm going to be here. You know, people can say some stuff, man. You know, there are people that you were just enjoying the word together now. They were like, wow. Oh, my days. Did you hear that? You know, they do the expressions. Whoa. This, that, and the other. Then two weeks later, they're gone. They're gone. The court of appeal that overturns decisions that were made in their mind. I... I really subscribe to the school of thought that once you make a decision, the way you know a decision is that it's not overturned. To bring global change, you must carry inspiration. Very true. Very true. I'm going to stay on the decision-making path this morning. So thank you for the reviews. I want to stay on the decision-making path this morning because it's going to lead me to where I'm going in, in a moment. I've got one scripture for you. So people overturn decisions that they've made. And if you overturn decisions or if you are not decisive, you can't go the distance. It's the, because remember, this run, and I think I was saying it to some guys the other day, a missionary is not a mission in a hurry. We're not in a race to finish anything quickly. We're not in a race, let me tell you, we're not in a, rela- a race to become rich quickly. Of course, we want to improve on certain things. We want to improve our finances. But everybody keeps asking me the question, if you were to talk to a PSAM 10 years ago now, what would you say to him? Because, because now that you've gone through the process of mentorship, this, that, and the other, what would you say to the PSAM that you saw not not a mission in a hurry. That's right. Missionary, not a mission in a hurry. Yeah, so so what would you say to the PSAM of 2010 if you got to do this all over again? And I keep saying that the number one word is patience. You know, sometimes that I, I'm going to break it down so simply today. When you're in university, one of the major things that you do is that you always say, you always say I can't wait to finish. You know, right, that's what you do. So people try to live in their future instead of living in the present. Do you know if you live in the present successfully that your future will be taken care of? I think most times people spend time dwelling in the future or in the past, but they never actually dwell in their present. That's most times what happens. So, you know... (laughs) It's so funny, you know, what, when you even have the most successful conversations is I remember. It always starts with I remember. I remember when. I remember this. Or we're looking forward to. So people never are able to really successfully live in their now. They're always looking to live in their tomorrow or they live in their yesterday. So the reason why I'm saying this is, is because of one, one or two things. I wanted to break it down to um, education. That people usually say, I can't wait to finish uni. But you just started first year. Now, my thought is, if you know how to master the now, your future will be, your future will be successful also. This is not where I'm going, but I'm just taking a bus stop. When we call ourselves the now church, when we call ourselves the now leadership, 
if we know how to master the now, and that means every circumstance, every situation that's currently going on in my life, you know, people can't wait to exit problems. They don't, but they never master their issues. They look to the future when this problem doesn't exist. But I remember a, 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 a statement that actually revolutionized my, my life. People do not go through issues or leaders do not go through issues. They grow through issues. Grow through the now. Do you know most times what happens to people is that they feel like they're going to get to a future and they will be different. So they don't grow through their now. Grow through your present. Whatever situation is facing you, whatever situation you find, and you know the thing about the, the present or your tomorrow, there's a problem waiting into, in your tomorrow also. So these problems you face today are the problems that will set you up with the growth and maturity that you need in order to face your tomorrow. Are you with me? I would like to differ, and you guys have to hear my heart this morning. I would beg, I would like to have a different statement, but I think the life, and PT kind of said this, the same thing. I think the life of a, a soldier will consistently be surrounded by problems. If you don't take time to face it, it will come back, but it will have friends. So what was said is that the issue will come back if you don't take time to face it. No, and you see what happens is they will come back but you have friends. You know that there's this story in the, in the, um, Jesus began to tell the disciples a parable about the woman who was, whose house was cleaned. Oh my God. The woman whose house was cleaned, right? And all the demons were wiped out from that house. But they said because she never filled that house with anything, the demon came back with seven more demons. So I discovered that in the present situations that I'm currently fighting, in the present devils that I'm currently fighting, I grow through it. I grow through it because what that prepares me for is the stage coming. And I hope you know that at every stage, you know, one of the things that we began to discover, and I don't know if this is a right or wrong way of thinking, with this we began to discover even when things are going good, we always look at where Satan will try to attack from. Even when he's going good, when things are going good, because we understand that we're at war. We're not at war with flesh and blood. We're, Spat Nation is now at war with principalities. Principalities, orders, powers that, that actually want to that actually want to make sure that you don't break the ceiling that is beginning to crack. There are certain ceilings that Spat Nation is breaking that is beginning to crack that it almost looked like a community is about to walk out of Egypt. And the principality called Pharaoh does not want to let these people go. Do you understand that? So for us now, as we sit and we talk on on these on these periscopes and and we talk on and i'm telling you i'm preparing you to say grow through the current issues you have now remember it goes like this leaders don't just go through issues they grow through them do you sometimes like me when i was younger another thing i would advise to my to the 20 year old p sam is don't be afraid to look your issues dead in the face You know, one of the major things or one of the common traits is to hide from issues. Don't be afraid to look your issues dead in the face. This is not where I want to go. I'm still going to decision making, but I just have to make this piece pit stop here because I feel like it will help somebody. I don't care if it's a sin issue. Sometimes God does not remove the sin because he wants you to grow out of it. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm, I'm, I'm really going into some deep stuff, right? It says, so he doesn't remove it because he wants you to grow out of it. But what happens most times is because of the shame, you will not allow yourself to grow and work with the word on growing out of these issues. Remember, leaders, not, 
members, I'm talking to leaders now, leaders do not just go through issues, they grow through them. If you're able to cement that in your heart that every issue I go through, I must grow through. Everyone, every single one. And sometimes growth is just being able to be accountable and responsible enough to say, look, this is my issue. It's sometimes you will not actually, you will not actually be able, you know, we was, I was talking to a gentleman today and I was saying, you know, pride will stop someone from crying for help. But life has a way. I'm telling you the truth. Life has a way of really knacking somebody because of these things are killers. I'm beginning to discover. Let me, can I be honest? In a, in a, in a, in a movement like Spat Nation, right? Something where God is really moving and, and you now move into the arena of gods. It is deadly to have certain things. Pride being one of them. It is deadly. It is deadly because the way, the way, if we're not careful, the way we will you will be punished. It's not God punishing you. Life will punish you because of the way Spat Nation climbs. Don't let God be the one to humble you. God will not even have to humble you. Life will humble you. Life will humble you. If you're like, for example, if you're going through financial pressure and you you don't cry for help, and there are certain situations you don't cry for help, the issue now is. You're going to suffer big time. Some way or somehow, the pride that you hold today will be revealed in another manner. So for me, I'm looking and I'm saying to us this morning, um, not forgetting the point that the issue you go through today, you must grow through it. And someone would say you don't have issues around you. You do. Every leader that is going to rise to be successful. <laughs> so I think PT said yesterday, this is paraphrasing just in case I haven't got it totally right. But I think PT said yesterday, you will, you will enjoy success in the midst of war. I, I go back to the, to the, to the life of David and the life of David is the life in which I continually go to when I want to know how to proceed. First of all, I owe, and I've, these are not things that are new. These are things that are constantly say until you learn how to master local issues, local problems and become victorious and grow out of local problems. God will not move you onto national problems. So the test of new leadership are the problems that they can decide to grow through. What would be our test? The way we will partner to tackle problems. So now, when you face issues, what is the number one thing to do? Partnership. Yes, you will live the best life in the midst of war. The first way to tackle problems is partnership. Have, let me say this. You will not be a gossip if you have a, if you have, <laughs> I was going to say if you have a prayer partner, but trust me, I've seen people enter gossip through prayer, through the, through the vehicle of prayer. Let's just pray for sister, um, sister Ma Madeline, because she and her husband are currently going through the biggest turmoil after her husband has committed adultery um with sister so and so let us pray for them that god will save them from another round of adultery because this is the third case of her husband doing this oh yeah lift up your voice and pray i've seen people <laughs> enter into gossip via that via that um, <laughs> via that um via that angle you know, there was one story that I once heard. I can't remember who I was listening to. I, I know PT has repeat, repeated it. And um, and um, there was a, a man that wanted to pray in his room, but his wife was there. You know, he wanted to ask God for forgiveness. So, so um, 
so the guy was just praying, just just praying, um, and and he was praying in tongues. So he was praying in tongues for a while. Then he started screaming, "Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy." The wife just stopped and said, "What do you need mercy for?" <laughs> she just said to him. What do you need mercy for? <laughs> so that bit just came to my head. I don't even know. So it just said, "No, come on, come." <laughs> Mid prayer, she just turns around and says, "No, come." What, what are we praying for mercy for? You know, the man's there, like, "Lord, have mercy, forgive me, for I have sinned. I have sinned." <laughs> so the wife. I said, no, so, so what sin are we discussing today? <laughs> see, see, if it was me, I'd just stick to praying in tongues, Lika Baba Handa Libriata. At least you can't decipher that one. Self snitching, exactly. So, when you are unwitt- wittingly snitch on yourself, exactly. But seriously, the best way to battle problems is partnership. Get yourself solid partners who mind their business. You know those people that are saying, I don't want to know your business. You know those people that want to know your business. In every church, there will be people that want to know your business. Though There has to be the congregation of those people who have to venture into your business. That's fine. Like, have those people, but make yourself to a people accountable to people who mind their own business. Because trust me, let me tell you something. I don't like to know people's business. I don't like it. It's like, ah, why? Why? Why must I know this? I mean, as a senior pastor, I'm getting to know that there are certain things that I cannot avoid. And that's fine. But I realize that God can trust certain people with these positions because he knows they don't mean anything to me. Or to, to, to certain people. So he puts them in those positions. It doesn't, you know, there are people who people tell your business to that it changes their view on you. Those are idiots. Always understand, but let me not even go into that because that's going to be another thing. So the best way to tackle problems is partnership. If you have a, if you have somebody who you partner in with in your problems and, and that's not just, oh, um, I have a problem of sin. Da, 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 da. I'm talking about create a leader who you partner with in your problems. If there's a problem that hits that nation today, I already know the number I'm calling or the message that I'm sending and where I'm sending it. Not because, and someone will say, yeah, just immediately send it to Pastor Toby. Yes, that's true. But then there's also problem partners where when we begin to get discussing, we begin to have ideas of what to do next. And it's not even, sometimes it's not the 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 um it's not the most expected people for example there will be people that going into your head but let me tell you something you know one of my major problem pastors is pastor miriam why because i know that girl has been through problem so so i use people who who are who i feel will have soundness in decisions because of things that they have faced and had to grow through. Now, what you now have to understand is that you, that may not be a popular choice for you, but then, not not Pastor Miriam, but it may not always be your popular choice. People do deal with problems with who they're comfortable with. That's how they stay small and immature. Problem partners are supposed to be people that will help you grow through issues. The worst thing to do in war is to be blindsided. Meaning have blind spots. So of course I know the first I know the first three calls I make when any problem hits. And you have to understand that if you're going to grow through issues it's going to take partnership. Anybody that hides your problem you know, one of the, the first call should be to somebody who knows what next call to make. This is, this is, I know this doesn't seem like, like, oh wow, this is, is this word or what is this? 
But know that the first call should be to someone that knows the next call to make. I'm still coming into the word in a minute. So you've got to set yourself up now. You've got to set yourself up in, in a leadership format and knowing that your life can absorb the weight of rising because with rising, there's a weight. With, 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 with deciding to climb out of the norm or out of, out of being average, there is a weight to it. And that weight comes in the form of problems sometimes. The, the more weighty problems you can overcome, the more weighty you become. We're coming in the midst of issues now because we've faced issues before. We know what to do. We know how to continue on a path now. And that must be the fight of every national to be able to continue on a certain flight, to be able to continue on a certain mode. So the first way to tackle problems is partnership. Have Remember, we've talked about this a few days ago. Have a sparring partner. Because that was another thing we said we're only as good as. And that was based on you are only as good as the pressure you can handle. But under that, the sub was you are only as good as the partner you spar with. So I always say to people that the mindset of a man is based on who he spars with. The, so I said people should then live better or see better because you are in their life. So that's that. Now, what, what are we trying to take away from today? Our decision making. The process of our decision making. So I need you to find for me life and death is in the, no, life and, I, I lay before you today, life and death, but you choose. That's in Deuteronomy, I think 30, but I need to know the exact verse. I lay before you today, life or death. And then we're going to look at that in different translations, because I realized something. The power of, the power of life, even though God has said, I have blessed you, he still comes back to say that it is your decision whether you're going to carry the blessing. I would have taken us, to, I think I've overstepped my time on the, on the introductions and I always do that, right? But I would have also taken us to the scripture that says, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So God can have a desire for a man's life, but unless a man decides. So now, We'll get into the crunch point of it, which is your decision must combine with God's desire. So God cannot decide for you, for you to be prosperous. God can only desire for you to, but you have to take up the decision. So desire belongs in the hand of God. Decision is in yours. So desire, God's desire is for you to prosper, but it is your decision whether you will. Have you found it? Yes, sir. Go for it. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Verse 19. Let's read. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. So look at this now. I love this scripture. He says, today, this day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you for what? That I have set before you life and death. So the design of God is to set things before a person. He doesn't bring people into things. He sets it before them. But you see when you, like for example, Lloyd, Pastor Lloydie can set a table of tea and breakfast before me, but I have to choose what I want. Even though she never put any biscuits here today, but whatever. I have to choose what I want to do, but, but the table is set. Death is there. Life is there. But that table is set before you and he says... <laughs> Yeah, she did, like, today I didn't have any biscuits. Right here. I knew something was missing, but anyway, it's all good. We. So he says that table is set. So God only sets things before people because his job is to set before you what he desires. But the truth of the matter is we're going to have to see what happens next. What does God say to them? That I have set before you life and death, uh -huh. blessings and curses. Oh my God. So look at the things he set. He set before them life and death. Number one. Then he set blessings and curses. So now 
there is always an option. These are people who God loved. These are the covenant people. But before covenant people were two options. What does he say? Now choose life so that you and your children may live. He says, now choose, decide, pick life so that you and your children may live. So all of a sudden, God sets these things before them. It's almost like everybody has a, has, has a choice to make. You know, that's, that's, that's the word I was looking for. So life is a, is, is a combination of right choices. It's a combination of right choices because in, in this scripture, we see the nature of God. We see the fact that God does not make choices for people. I think PT was saying it yesterday, that in life, God gives you the ability to choose. In fact, we're going to have to go a bit more. I hope you still have time for me to now really get into what I want to get into. So choices are laid before people. They're laid down before people so that people can pick what they want. Read that scripture again for me. One more time, then you can go to a different translation. This day, mm. I call the heavens and the earth yeah. as witnesses against you. Yeah. That I have set before you life and death. That I have set before you. Please remember that. That God will not bring you into anything before he has set you set before you things so he wants to bring you into blessing but he has to set blessing before you so that you choose it by yourself so everything you do in a, in a day every choice you make decides what you're choosing decides whether you're going to walk into life or you're going to walk into death so what is set i said before you today go for it Life and death. Life and death. Blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. Now choose life. Now choose life. So he says now, in the now, you must choose. The choices you make today will decide the life you live tomorrow. It's always going to be choice. My choice to follow somebody, to follow the man of God, decided the life I live tomorrow. Do you know that the choice Ruth made, Decided who she would marry tomorrow. These are the things that we... But you know what people try to do? They try to combine their choices. You know there are certain choices that don't go together. When we're talking about the line of destiny, there are certain choices that take you out of destiny. Choose life and you will live. Go for it. So that you and your children may live. Mm -hmm. And that you may love the Lord your God, mm. listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. So what was the root of them loving God? Their choices. <laughs> ah, I hope you can hear this. Their choices was the source as to what made them love God. He says, so, so now, because let me tell you something. There are many people who have loved God the way we love God. There are many people who have been involved in movements that looked like they were going to take off. But there were certain choices that people made that carried them out of the movement. Or out of the, the, the revival that God was budding. Many times revivals have been quenched by people's choices. Many times the financial growth that somebody was going through and, and, and did or was going to achieve was quenched by their choice. Their choice of relationship, their choice of association, their choice. There are many, there are many things. There are many national leaders. Oh, we were talking the other day about Gaddafi and Mugabe. Do you know all that changed? <laughs> When the media began to cause uproar against Gaddafi, all he had to do was make a right choice. Do you know what the two choices were? To either turn around and say, I love my people too much to turn against them. But I get it. He would have been hurt. He would have been hurt because, because after all he had done for the people, he would have seen them rising up against them. And that was all the ammunition that the West needed in order to begin to, in order to begin to cause a coup. 
So he, in his mind, right, at that moment, there are two choices that he can make. He can, he can declare war on his own people, which was the choice he went to, or, or keep with the decision he made in the beginning to try and create a united Africa. But one of the things I think happens to people is that when they get into the mode of power, their choices are blinded by their power. Because nobody can, so for some people listening today, they may have different theories on um, ego versus right standing. Exactly. So for some people listening, they might say, well, Gaddafi was, a, Gaddafi for me wasn't a bad man. These are the leaders that could have united Africa. Mugabe, Gaddafi, and there's one more, one more leader. I can't remember his name right now. But these are the leaders that could have united Africa. But the issue was, it, the, the issue was an issue of choice. So you may not see the issue right now because you may be thinking, well, my choices. You know, I said to one of my, my young ladies, she wanted to go on to a BBC interview um, about, um, about um, what was it about again? Um, it was about fi finding it difficult to get jobs in the time of COVID. And I said to her, you see, you can't do it because I, I know one day you're going to be a national leader. So the problem now is because you're going to be a national leader one day, we've got to guard your choices. You know, <laughs> you know some things here. Yeah? Based on the choices they make, some people's talk are just dreams. <laughs> your choice must match your talk. You know, yesterday, I'm not going to go back into it, but yesterday, we were talking about relationships. Someone wants to confess and say they're going to be a national leader, this, that, and the other. The choices that they make don't match their talk. Your choices must match what comes out of your mouth. In fact, the reason why things come out of your mouth is so that it aligns your choices. So, he look at this now. So, he said the relationship, the, the relationship of loving God was based on the choices that they made. But read on. Good news translation. Good news translation. Let's read. I am now giving you the choice between life and death. I am now giving you the choice. Between life and death, yeah? Between God's blessing and God's curse. Between God's blessing and God's curse. So you can be a covenant man living inside of God's curse. But guess what? It is not that God is cursing you. And that's why I said to you that it is God doesn't bring curse on people or God will not humble people. There's already something in the atmosphere by, that by the, by the choices you make, you will live between one or the other. I, I, I've set before you which one you will either live in. Just because you're a covenant person and you pray does not mean that you will enter into God's blessing because there are choices that you refuse to make. Prayer cannot substitute choice. I'm sorry. There are certain choices we make. I'm telling you, I'm... You know that I understand delay now. I understand delay very well. If there are certain choices that we make that delays us. I understand delay. I understand delay in my own life. Don't think you can get away with sleeping with people and your life not be delayed. That's just the point that I need to put out there for you. Your life will be very delayed. Unless God does a reversal in his mercy. That's why I always tell to my young men. One of my young men's beginning to rise financially. I said, you see, the one thing I need from you right now is do not. You see, as long as you, you're rising fast, you're doing well, this, that, and the other. But as long as you don't touch certain things. Because now you're going to become an, an, an inspiration to people, right? But don't do what they do. Remain weighty. Otherwise, the journey to whatever you need to do will be delayed. So I'm saying to you now that there are choices you make that delays your journey. And prayer cannot substitute that. Prayer only actually makes sure that you remain on the path. But the delays to the journey, because you can't even see how you're delaying. Sin actually messes up your choices. You will choose wrong because of cloudy judgment. 
I'm telling you the honest truth. So now, it's not even, look, God does not even need to punish a man. A man will punish himself by the choices he makes. A man will punish himself by the choices he makes. So don't think that sin is a, a case of, oh, the oh God is going to be angry with me. No, God is angry that, that now you're going to make a series of wrong choices. Because the, the first wrong choice to commit sin will open up the, the wound and the can of committing other wrong choices. Do you understand that? So, so now we're looking at this and we're seeing, he says, the choice between God's blessing and God's curse. Remember that these things are set. Then, So God is not going to curse a man. A man will curse himself or bless himself by the choices he makes. And I've said to you that prayer does not substitute choices. Right decisions decide destiny. But go on, go for it. And I call the heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. I call heaven and earth. To witness the choice you make so that you cannot blame me for the life you come out with. God cannot be blamed for the outcome of your life. What has to be blamed for the outcome of your life is the choices that you decided to make. That's why I always, always, always guard my choices. Please remember this. What will be blamed for the outcome of your life is the choices you decide to make. So, you know, God had to bring heaven and earth to witness it so that man cannot turn around and blame God. Man cannot turn around and blame God for whatever man receives because the choices man made is what will help, is what will either damn them or help them. And remember, please, I'm going to say it again, prayer cannot be, cannot be substituted for, um, you cannot substitute choice for prayer. Prayer only helps choice. Go for it. Go for it. Today, I am giving you a choice of two ways. Yeah. And I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice. I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice, yes. You can choose life or death. You can choose life or death. It's up to you. Free will, yeah. The first choice will bring a blessing. Mm -hmm. The other choice will bring a curse. The first choice will bring a blessing. The other choice will bring a curse. Go on. So choose life. Mm -hmm. Then you and your children will live. Choose life. Then you and your children will live. So it is possible to be alive, but not to be living. <laughs> Sometimes the journey on choosing life is a slower journey. Things take longer because most things, death rushes ahead. How do I know that death rushes ahead? Look at our community. Look at how quick death, how easy it is to run into death, but how hard it is to run into life. Take a look at around you. You know, I was writing, I was just writing notes in my head. Yes, I mean, no, writing notes. And I, and I you know, the, the biggest evil I've seen under the sun is that thing they call council estate. It's like a prison that they, it's like a, it's like a prison in a house. I don't think you understand. Do you know that council estates have the same format as prisons? Do you know that, look, listen to this. You're on the same balcony, prison inside of a prison. Exactly. You're on the same balcony. We used to live on the second balcony in, in Stockwell. We're in the same balcony with houses right next to each other. That's prison. And there's floors. So you're basically just on a wing. I'm sorry. How the, I was just thinking about it yesterday. I was just thinking about it because I was looking at the baby picture again. And I remember us growing up in Stockwell and we're on, we're on this whatever. Well, this thing, but really and truly, yeah, they can put one bed or two bedrooms inside of there. But let me tell you something. Even prisons have bedrooms. Do you get what I'm saying? Like even, so it's not different. 
you're trapped with all these other people. And then guess what? Most times, the sons of these people that grow up in these places, because of lack, tiny cramped up spaces, because of lack, these people are going to most times be criminal because the in those places are the highest form of lack. Inside of prison is the highest form of lack because you can't fend for themselves. In prison, in prison, you get paid like £9 a week for doing education or working in the kitchens or wherever you work. So, now, the reason why I'm mentioning that is because it is so easy to be introduced to death more than it is to be introduced to life. So, the journey to life takes longer. But as long as you continue making the right choices, the result will be right. Why? Because God has already set it before you. So, is is that it or do you have another translation for me? Continue. Sir. Continue. Go. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, mm -hmm. obeying him and committing yourself to him fully. Yeah. This is the key to your life. This is the key to your life. Okay, now I need two things very quickly and then we'll end, we'll end this. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Remember we're talking about our decisions, choices. Remember I've said to you already that your life will be a result of the choices that you make. And I now went to the scripture, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, to talk to you very plainly to say, God set a table before man, God's blessing, God's curse, but he says you choose. So your life is a product of your resources. But now let's see what it says in um, Isaiah chapter 1 from verse 18. Go for it. Come now. Come now. Yeah. Let us settle the matter. <laughs> Let us settle the matter of your prosperity. Let us settle the matter of your rising. Let us settle the matter. The matter of your nation taking. Let us settle your, the matter of your mountain taking. Let us settle this matter. But how are we going to settle this matter? Go for it. Come now, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Mm -hmm. Though your sins are like scarlet, yeah. they shall be as white as snow. Mm -hmm. Though they are red as crimson, uh -huh. they shall be like wool. Let us also settle the matter of what you've done wrong in the past so that you know that nothing that you've done wrong in the past can hold you now as long as you settle the matter with God. Now, so he says, settle this matter, go on. Says the Lord, uh -huh. though your sins are like scarlet, yeah. they shall be as white as snow. Uh -huh. Though they are red as crimson, mm -hmm. they shall be like wool. Okay, read on. If you are willing and obedient. He says, look now, if you are willing, it is not God. Get the definition of will for me. If you are willing, it's not God. Because God has already set it. But the, he needs to find a willing people, people who decide to prosper. The desire is God's. The decision is yours. So if you decide to prosper, if you decide to do well, if you decide that you want to be a nation taker, it is a decision. These things are not God's responsibility. They're yours. So he says, if you are willing I need you to go back to the scripture and then we'll go to will. If you are willing, number one, yes, and what? If you are willing and obedient. And obedient, yeah. You will eat the good things of this land. He said you will eat the good things of this land. So it is not a God problem, it is a you problem. You know that word if, when you put if in front of any se sentence, it means it is con a conditional offer. If so and so, most times contracts have if in them. Because it is based on how you respond to what God says that determines whether you will have the outcome you might, that God desires for your life. So it's never a God problem, it's a you problem. Or it's never a God issue, it's a you issue. So most times what people do is that they make their issues a God issue. But it's not a God issue, it's a you issue. Because if you are willing, what does will say? What is the definition of will as I round this up now? A choice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you hear the definition, the first definition of will? A choice. The first, and that's where I was going. So I was trying to take you on a journey to teach you and to tell you and remind you that the most everything about your life, you know, people, when you hear these words, these words, you expect the word to come and take you. But you have 
it, is, it takes a willing person to meet the word, then you journey. <laughs> I, I have determined and said I am willing to journey with the word. I am willing to be a billionaire. I'm willing. So what the first definition of will is a choice. But go for it. Two more definitions. Mm -hmm. A determination. Yeah. The faculty of the mind. This is what I was looking for. So now we're connecting last week and this week. The first thing then, it says it's a choice. Then it says determination. But it then says the faculty of the mind. Forget, okay, it's going to now define it because we still need the definition. But now it says the faculty of the mind. So remember that your willingness does not take place. Your willingness does not take place in, in your heart. Your willingness, first of all, must travel into your mind because where you will, first of all, will. It's not, in, it's not in bodily action. You cannot be bodily determined. You have to have the faculty of the mind that, is, that wills to do something. But let's see what it says here. The faculty of the mind yeah. by which we determine either to do or forbear an action. So there is something taking place in your mind that tells us that you're willing. <laughs> it says the faculty of the mind that determines whether you're going to go through with something. I'm telling you the truth. So every issue or every growth actually starts in that faculty called willingness. I don't need... <laughs> oh, my days. Do you know? I, you don't need an expert. You need a willing person. Do you know when Jesus began to talk about the days of his power? Do you know the ingredient he placed behind the people that will be with him in the days of his power? He says, in the days of the, his power, the people will be willing. So what would you see rise up more? A willing people. People who are willing. Remember, I designed willing to you the faculty of the mind that determines either to do. Go on for it. Go on. Yeah. Either to do or forbear an action. Or forbear an action. So either to do it or forbear an action. So what did I say was the was the rising or the, the or the the falling of certain leaders that grows nationally was was their willingness, their choice. So we now understood that God said, if you be willing, if the if the faculty of your mind is, is, is willing to do what? To, it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will, you will eat the good of the land. I, I rest my case there this morning. What this, <laughs> what this stage now, all the few years, that God took us through the 10 years of mentorship, the 10 years of pain and the 10 years of suffering or the 10 years of glory and victories, the 10 years of failures and mistakes, the 10 years of success and victory. Those 10 years were only to test whether I'll be willing. The next phase is God wanting to see if you now is God wanting to take you to eating the good of the land. A willing person can have faults, but over their faults, they're willing to follow God through the journey. If you be willing. And not every, not everybody will be willing. I'm telling you the truth. They will be around, but they won't be willing. If you be willing and obedient, people will start out thinking that or willing to do, but halfway through the journey, there will be something that changes that faculty in their mind and they can no longer forbear certain actions. I'm telling you the honest truth. I've, I've willed. I've willed. I've, I've, I've played out every worst scenario in my mind and I've already willed it. That if, this, if it comes to this, I'm, I'm fine. If it comes to that, I'm fine. I've played out. But there's going to be nothing bad that happens. There's only going to be good. But I'm telling you, when we sat down 10 years ago, we said, come rain, come shine. We will to be in this. You know, there was something I heard the other day and I loved it. Do you know? He said, I, you know, I just finished the last dance yesterday. And 
I think in one of this, the episodes, they were talking about Michael Jordan. And one thing he said, one thing they said about him is that he was completely there. I, you don't understand the power of those words. Oh, my days. Do you know? But they said when he was in basketball, that he was completely there. You could see those words, yeah. If you understand leadership, you, those words will be powerful to you. They said he was completely there. His mind, his heart was not in any other thing other than what he was in. So, so you know what I understood? And I understood something. When Paul turned to the, to, to the, um, to the um, church in Colossus and said to them, you are complete in Christ. To be complete in something means to be completely there. Like, meaning you're so complete in Christ that you can afford to be completely there. So when whatever Christ is doing, you can afford to be there because you are complete there. Do you know, I can't go into that now, but most times what happens to people, why their choices are changed is because they don't feel complete. But that's not for today. That might be where we start on Monday if we, if we go down this route. You know, I always used to continually come and say, look, your, your, your body can be somewhere and your mind somewhere else. It's possible. But God says, if you are willing to be completely there, completely in my word, completely here in these words, no matter the waves that are running around you, completely there in my words. And I actually realized that it's, it's, it's joy season for the nation. It's joy season. It's praise season. God is raising us. So now be completely in his joy. Don't let nothing distract you. Don't let nothing take you out of that. So I have to round up with that this morning. I'm sure it's about 12 o'clock now. And um, I hope you've been blessed as usual.